Our second scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, beginning with verse 1. Let us listen for and hear God's holy word. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, he has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek out and save the lost. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May your good news come, O Lord, not only in the word spoken, but in and through the power of your Holy Spirit and with full assurance. Amen. As most of you know, I am not from here. So not being raised in the South, I missed out on some of the religiously developmental staples that many of you who grew up here in the Bible Belt learned as part of your upbringing. One of these staples is energizers, which I'm still trying to recover from after experiencing the troubling exercise during my first trip to Montreat nearly 20 years ago. But to help my transition into the South Southern religious culture, I'm convinced God brought Diana into my life. Growing up the daughter of a Baptist minister in the buckle of the Bible Belt in Nashville, she is an expert in residence in our home when it comes to these types of customs. So a few years ago, when Daniel or Asher would come home from their Baptist-run childcare, singing a new song or reciting a new pre-meal blessing or talking about something called Bible quizzes, Diana usually with a smirk because of the confused look on my face, had to explain to me what exactly was going on. One of these occasions was because of a song, which I'm sure most, if not all of you know, and Meredith raised a good Southern Presbyterian, belted it out on Monday morning when I mentioned Zacchaeus as our sermon topic. The song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. Do you all know it? He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Lord came passing by, he looked up on, in that tree and said, Zacchaeus, you come down for I'm coming to your house today. I'm coming to your house today. Yeah, I don't know it that well. <laughs> Knowing that song and songs like it is one of the perks of growing up going to Sunday school in a Southern church or doing what I did, marrying a recovering Baptist. (laughs) This children's song and the many others that you learned sum up 
the many stories of the Bible and help sear details into our brains, but into our souls. And in this case, with Zacchaeus, we learn that he was short and that he climbed a tree. And I love the ridiculous image of this very wealthy man perched in a sycamore tree. In fact, I read this week that if you visit Jericho today, there's a good chance that your tour guide will show you what they insist is the very tree. (laughs) What I love about this story, though, are the many questions, the many questions that it leaves with each one of us. What in the world is this rich and powerful man, the supervisor of tax tax collectors, the chief tax collector, doing climbing up into a tree? At first glance, the answer seems obvious. Luke tells us Zacchaeus was a little man, short in stature. He was unable to see Jesus because of the crowd that had gathered around Jesus as he came south into Jericho. Picture a child who's trying to see a parade through the legs of the gathered adults and who's grateful to be lifted up on her dad's shoulders. But not having such shoulders, Zacchaeus ran ahead of the crowd and climbed a tree. He was, deter- he was determined to see who Jesus was. But why? What is a wealthy, ruling class, important person like Zacchaeus doing trying to see Jesus? What is it about Jesus that makes him so interesting, so intriguing, worth such a risk? Is it that Zacchaeus is a little short in other ways as well? Is he dissatisfied with his life because, as the old hymn proclaims, he's rich in things but poor in soul? He's wealthy and he's important. He's a person of enormous economic and political power in Jericho. But maybe back then, just like today, when we finally get to that point to realize that it's just not enough. How does the saying go? When I got there, I discovered there was no there there. Is that what Zacchaeus has Zacchaeus up in the tree? Maybe. Maybe this is more, though, about Jesus than Zacchaeus. He's not the first outsider to be drawn to Jesus, right? What is it about this Galilean on his way to Jerusalem that has the crowd in such a frenzy? What is it about Jesus that continues to attract people to him even today? Is it just the miracles, the religious teachings, the right living morals? Maybe, but is that enough to cause people to give away great portions of their time, their skills, their wealth, even their lives to follow him? Whatever the case, here we are this morning in this place with all these people and with Zacchaeus wanting to see Jesus. But Luke tells us he couldn't because he was short and maybe we are too. He was trying to see Jesus, who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. But what if we're reading that wrong? What if for all these years we've misunderstood 
Now, since Zacchaeus is the subject of that last sentence, you know that when I read he's short, we're supposed to be referring to Zacchaeus. That's the traditional view. But besides, we have that song. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. But Fred Craddock, who himself stood about only five foot five in his boots, points out that in the original Greek, it's not entirely clear whether Zacchaeus or Jesus are the subject of the pronoun. In the Greek, he was short in stature, could just as easily apply to Jesus. So our passage could read, Zacchaeus sought to see who Jesus was, but could not on account of the crowd because he, Zacchaeus, was short in stature. But it could also legitimately read, Zacchaeus sought to see Jesus, but could not on account of the crowd because he, Jesus, Jesus was short in stature. Could it be that Jesus was actually shorter than almost everyone else in the crowd? And that's why Zacchaeus had to climb the sycamore tree in order to see him. Did Zacchaeus climb the tree in order to see Jesus because he was so short or because Jesus was so short? Part of me likes the idea of Jesus being short. While most commentators and tradition stick with the customary view that Zacchaeus was the short one, today I think I'm with Craddock. Because what I love about Fred Craddock's interpretation is the delight that he takes with this story and his joyful courage in suggesting that maybe for centuries we've all gotten it wrong. Maybe it's Jesus who was the one who was short. Regardless of which one was short, what happens next is that Jesus, Jesus spots Zacchaeus in the sycamore tree and shouts his name at the top of his lungs. Zacchaeus! While we'll never know for sure whether Jesus or Zacchaeus is the short one, I'm pretty sure about Jesus' tone of voice when he shouted Zacchaeus' name. Jesus didn't tentatively or inquisitively say, Zacchaeus, suggesting shock and disdain that Zacchaeus of all people would go to such lengths to see him. Jesus didn't look up and see Zacchaeus and then immediately look away as if he had never seen him, which is likely what the rest of the crowd was doing. I'm sure that when Jesus greeted Zacchaeus, it was with a loud, boisterous shout. Because that's the joy that's at the heart of this story. So I guess we're stuck with this deep, pressing theological question. How tall was Jesus? The problem is that the only place in the whole of Scripture that mentions the height of Jesus is this passage. And I guess even this passage is not entirely clear. But since I'm the one doing the preaching, I'm going to make the call. So at least for this Sunday and this sermon, Jesus was short. Maybe as short as Spud Webb or Dolly Parton or Napoleon. He was so short that the big man about town, rich Zacchaeus, had to climb up a tree just to get a peek at little old Jesus. Now we need to remember that Zacchaeus wasn't just a normal tax collector, like described in many other stories in the Gospels, like the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector praying in the temple 
that we heard just a few weeks ago. Zacchaeus was not just a lackey for the oppressive Roman government extorting faithful Jews out of hard-earned money. No, Zacchaeus was the chief lackey. He was the chief tax collector. So he was not only a thief, but he was also ultra-rich. Think Jeff Bezos or Warren Buffett. And he was the only person with whom Jesus feasted when he, Jesus, short in stature, came to Jericho. It's almost as if, just in case we didn't get the joke back in the famous parables a few chapters ago in Luke 15, the stories with the parties thrown for the stupid lost sheep and the worthless lost coin and the wasteful lost boy, Luke is now rubbing our collective nose in in all of this one more time. This dinner party in Jericho isn't just with the scum of the earth. It's with the chief scum of all the earth. And when we grumble, again, he's gone to be the guest of a man who's a sinner, Jesus responds again. Like I told you all in Luke 15, the Messiah came to seek and save the lost. When are you going to get that? But back in Luke 15, the problem was this man receives sinners and eats with them. But here in Luke 19, it's this man has gone to be a guest of a sinner. And Jesus says to us grumblers, because it wasn't the sinners, but the righteous who grumbled, today salvation has come to this house. And with that statement, with this story we have to understand the definition of salvation. Salvation is whenever Jesus intrudes into our space, whenever Jesus makes our sinful table and sits at his seat to feast with him like he did for Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus didn't invite Jesus to dinner. Jesus invited himself. Almost no one in the Bible chooses Jesus or decides to be saved by him. The gospel is a story about Jesus' choice and decision to save the lost. And that's why we grumbled, and we still do. He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And Zacchaeus asks, did you say lost? I'll admit I've made a few financial mistakes. And sometimes I got a bit carried away in the performance of my governmental duties, but lost? Don't you think that's overstating things? Check out my tax return from last year and see if that looks lost to you. If Jesus has some strange notions of salvation, he has even stranger notions of lost. And we, the righteous, The insiders, those well-schooled in faith, those in the theological know, often hated Jesus for it. After this little episode at Zacchaeus' house, we righteous grumblers got organized. And just a few short chapters later in Luke, we find Jesus up the road in Jerusalem, once again surrounded by a crowd, only this time with a cross strapped to his back and the crowd yelling curse words and insults. So here's the question of the day. 
How tall was Jesus? The answer? He was short, built low to the ground. He could, Luke says, stoop to the worst of them. By the time he got to Jerusalem, he didn't have too far to fall. So short was he, so willing was he to get down and dirty with the lost. Today, salvation has come to this house. And to that, all we can say is thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. Lord of all, you long for a time when all nations will be ruled with justice and a world where everyone lives in safety and harmony until that time when swords are beaten into plowshares and the wolf and the lamb eat together. We give thanks for veterans who have served their country with honor and courage. We remember the sacrifices made by members of the military and their families. We know that they endured long seasons apart from loved ones, the disruption of moves and deployments, the stress of being sent to regions engulfed by violence, the repercussions of physical, spiritual, and moral injuries, where the pain of those injuries persists, bring healing, where the memories of that trauma are harrowing, grant relief, where the grief of those losses threaten to overwhelm, grant hope. We pray, gracious God, for an end to war and for the new earth where there will be no need for military might. But now we ask your blessing upon our veterans and those closest to them, that they may know the gift of your presence and the peace that passes understanding. Oh God, we pray for much, and we pray especially for those who are suffering in mind, body, or spirit. We pray for Linda Smith as she recovers from knee replacement surgery. We pray for little Hayden, asking for healing from RSV. And we ask that you would give them strength, patience, and comfort. We lift up those who have gone before us and now rest with you in death, remembering Anton Zimmerman. Surround his families and loved ones as they grieve his loss and remind us that he has been embraced by you completely. We lift up silent prayers before you now, praying for the things we keep in the depths of our hearts. And we pray that prayer your son taught us, saying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let us continue to worship God through our tithes and offerings. <laughs> 